Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again edition. Going all the way back to Nat King Cole for that intro. And it feels like you have to go back that far to remember a Bengals win as Cincinnati fell to 0-7 on Sunday with a 27-17 loss to Jacksonville. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, we'll meet the person under the pads as I'll talk to William Wilson Webb, better known as B.W. Webb, a Bengals newcomer this year who is out there playing every week with a broken bone in his right arm. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Nita's Brownies. On Wednesday nights, when Dave Lapham and I take the Bengals game plan show on the road, we see many loyal Bengals fans who have become our friends, and more often than not, they include a lovely woman named Nita. And when Nita's at the show, she brings each of us a big pan of her homemade brownies. I am here to tell you, they are the best brownies I have ever had in my life. They're moist, they're delicious. They're fattening, and it's worth it. So thank you, Nita, for making life in the Horde household a little sweeter. Now let's get to football. The first quarter of Sunday's game against Jacksonville could have been a disaster. The Jags outgained the Bengals 110-11. to Cincinnati's four running plays went for minus six yards. But thanks to a great goal line stand, Jacksonville didn't score. Now they're going to give it to Fournette. He leaps and he did not get in. No. The Bengals with a goal no. line stop. Yeah. Preston Brown meeting Leonard Fournette in midair and preventing the Jaguars from scoring. It starts with the defensive line. You have to get penetration and push. Reestablish the line of scrimmage backwards. They do that and allows Preston Brown to get airborne and meet him before the goal line. He jumped like Fournette did. A couple of Brahma Bulls hitting above the line of scrimmage. That's basically how the first half went for the Bengals' defense. They allowed a whopping 309 yards in the half, but Jacksonville drove into the red zone three times and came away with just six points. Here's Jesse Bates. I thought we did a really good job of holding two field goals. Uh, you know, it looks kind of bad on paper if we give up a lot of yards and stuff like that, but um, I think we did a really good job of holding two field goals. Um, you know, and just continue to fight. The Bengals, on the other hand, struggled to move the ball in the first half, punting on their first five possessions. But with 2.14 left in the half, they finally got something going. Dalton back to throw against a four-man rush. The protection is good. Fires a fastball over the middle. Cut by Erickson. Into Jags territory at the 40. Near sideline 30. Pushed out of bounds at the 20. A big play at last. Jared Wilson shoves Alex Erickson out of bounds right at the 20-yard line, 48 yards on the play. Andy Dalton's first six pass completions all went to Alex Erickson for 110 yards. Andy's only other pass completion of the first half gave Cincinnati the lead. 
Dalton throws a pass. It is caught. Touchdown, nice. Joe Mixon. If you can't run it in, throw it to him. Right. And he catches a two-yard touchdown pass to give Cincinnati the lead. The Bengals had a 7-6 halftime lead and got the ball to begin the third quarter. To put it mildly, they did not capitalize. First, Alex Erickson dropped a perfectly thrown deep ball that would have gained at least 30 yards. Then, after a long pass was completed to Auden Tate, the Bengals had a free play when Jacksonville jumped off sides, and Dalton tried to pull an Aaron Rodgers by throwing deep. Not only was his pass incomplete, but the Bengals didn't even get the five-yard penalty because a chop block by Joe Mixon superseded it for a loss of 15. What else could go wrong? The Bengals found out on the very next play. Tightly clustered formation. Quick throw out to Tyler Boyd. Boyd breaking a tackle. Nice. Running to the 50. Still on his feet to the Jacksonville 45. Lost the ball. The ball comes out. And Jacksonville recovers. Unreal. At the 44-yard line. Tyler Boyd also dropped at least two passes. And his fumble led to a field goal that gave the Jags a 9-7 lead. Here's Alex Erickson on the Bengals' offensive ineptitude. That's been our problem. Can't make the plays, you know. Looking at myself right there, uh, got to make that play. Got to, you know, get his jump started in the second half, and um, you know, it's just that's been the story of our season, not being able to make enough plays. And um, today was no different. And, um, just pointing at myself on that one, you know, I got to make that play. And I know a lot of other guys are saying the same thing about other plays throughout the game. And um, you know, when it's you're in the battle of you know trying to get a win, um, every play is every play matters, um, and we're not good enough to overcome you know, the bad plays right now. So we, we got to be able, really locked in and just make every play. It was 10-9 Cincinnati going to the fourth. The third time this year, the Bengals have had a lead in the fourth quarter. But as was the case against Seattle and Buffalo, they could not hold on to it. Minshew is ready, catches the ball, drops to throw, lobs one toward the back right corner of the end zone. It is caught, and it's a touchdown. A two-point conversion made it 17-10 Jacksonville, but the Bengals immediately answered by driving into the red zone. The Bengals have it first and 10 at the 15-yard line. Bernard and Mixon both in the game. Dalton is back to throw. Cox the arm, throws, oh. intercepted by Miles Jack. Linebacker Miles Jack cutting in front of Tyler Boyd to pick off a pass that was slightly underthrown. It was only the 10th red zone interception in Dalton's nine NFL seasons, and it was a killer. The offense got the ball back with about five minutes left, and things went from bad to brutal. Dalton sets up a screen, oh, no. throws it right to Jacksonville. It's a pick six for Yannick Ngakwe. Well, I'll tell you who the key guy was on that one, Brian. Traven Bryan had the quick pressure, and as a result of the quick pressure, Andy Dalton throws it where he thinks he's going to have a receiver, and instead of a, a, a receiver... It turns out to be Ngakwe. The defensive end's 23-yard pick six made it 24-10, and when it rains, it pours. Andy Dalton is ready for the shotgun snap, catches the ball. He is back to throw, flings oh, it over the middle. It is intercepted goodness. again. Running it back to the 50, down to the Bengals' 40, and the Bengals will bring down Ronnie Harrison after Jacksonville's third interception in the fourth quarter. Wow. That led to a field goal that made it 27-10, and the game was out of reach. The Bengals made the final score a bit more respectable 
with less than a minute to go. Third and goal from the one. It is a quarterback sneak. They push Dalton from behind, and he goes into the end zone for his third rushing touchdown of the year. The only Bengal who has scored a touchdown on the ground in 2019. Crazy. Joe Mixon leads the AFC in rushing last season. Joe Mixon, far from a threat to do that this year and doesn't have a rushing touchdown in seven football games. Speaking of Mixon, he carried 10 times for two yards. Giovanni Bernard had four carries for zero. Two jet sweeps for Alex Erickson went for minus two. That's 16 running plays for a total of zero yards. Here's offensive lineman Alex Redman on the sad state of the Bengals running game. I mean, every football team has got to assert some kind of run game, unless obviously you're one of the aired out kind of teams. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's crucial for us just to find that rhythm and flow. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to find it. No, they have not. The Bengals are on a pace to rush for 850 yards this season. The lowest rushing total for a season in team history was 949 yards set back in 1982. So that was 99 more yards than the Bengals' current pace. Are you ready for this? 1982 was a strike season, and the Bengals only played nine games. The final score Sunday was 27-17 as the Bengals fell to 0-7. In case you're wondering, the worst start in team history is 0-10 in 1993. The Bengals' next three games are against the Rams in London, the Ravens at home, and the Raiders in Oakland. Barring something unforeseen, Cincinnati will be an underdog in all three games. After Sunday's loss, Lapp spent three and a half minutes with head coach Zach Taylor. Coach, uh, a tough one, particularly in that in that fourth quarter when you have you know, three interceptions in like a five-pass attempt sequence. I mean, it's hard to hard to stay uh, stay in a game in the NFL, really. It was hard. You know, we knew it was going to be a tough game. It was going to come down to field position and turnovers. And unfortunately, we had four. They had none. And that's what it comes down to. Field position in the early stages of the game, Kevin Huber was pinning them. He was booming kicks. I mean, you guys had a big, huge field position advantage. Even though they were generating yards, I mean, Defense is playing good red zone defense and not putting points on the board. You get your you know first red zone opportunity to throw seven on the board and take a lead. So you know the field position part of it, you know was was working pretty well. But again, you know the turnovers basically unfold everything. Yeah, I thought the defense. You know they gave a lot of yards on the first drive. They had the great goal line stand. They've done a good job in the low red zone, um, and then they they got some good backed up stands back there. And then uh, Kevin and the punt team were doing a great job pinning them down. We just we didn't get anything going on offense to give ourselves a chance to get points on the board. Particularly, you know, the running game, once again, I mean, it, I, I think Joe had two yards on 10 carries. I think the positive yards, I mean, a Andy Dalton had, I think he ended up with 30-some-odd yards, and they were all Andy Dalton. I mean, the running backs were negated by tackle for loss. Any positives they had on attempts was negated by, by negatives. So, I mean, when you can't get the running game unlocked at all, I mean, playing one hand behind your back like that is tough in this league, isn't it? It's hard. we got to win our matchups up front. And there were plenty of times when you could see there, there's a good run there. And at the last second, we're getting defeated on a block. And so we, we got to step up and take ownership and figure out a way to fix it. Um, because that's frustrating. That's a tough way to play when you can't run the ball. So 
Alex Erickson steps up and makes some plays for you. Eight catches, 137 yards, and I talked to him earlier. And, you know, he's obviously the kind of guy he is. He's lamenting the ones that he could have had. You know, he could have had about a 200-yard day if he catches everything. And um, But that's, I guess, you know, that, that's kind of the story. You know, it's like when you, when you need to have plays made, they're not always being made, are they? In these tight games, every play matters. And so uh, felt like we maybe had six or seven drops today that hurt us a couple times up front. You know, maybe a guy went the wrong way on some runs that hurt us. And so that's a tough way to play a game. In a game like this, when you know it's going to be tough, it's a tough, you're playing against a good defense, and uh, that hurt us. You played the position when a quarterback is trying to make a play in the fourth quarter and maybe trying to do too much to make a play in the fourth quarter. Is that what you have to fight? It's hard. We'll have to take a look at, you know, one of them was a screen pass. The back got picked off, and um, so it was a pick six. You know, that's that's not what I put on the quarterback. That's That's everybody up front. And then uh, the other two we got to look at, those those are tough. You know, it's we're in the red zone, um, about to score, and defense made a play, and it was a real drive killer. So you're looking at uh, everybody's defensive front seems to be, you know, a cut above. I mean, every every card-carrying giant seems to be playing in the National Football League and their athletes to boot, you know, on that side of the football. You know, next time, next week's game in, in London against Aaron Donald, you're all familiar with that. I mean, that dude – defensive MVP twice as a defensive tackle. I mean, people are putting four hands and four eyes on him, and he's still he's still killing people. That that guy, is, he's a unique talent. A real challenge on our hands. He's, he's one of the best players I've ever been around. Um, I think anyone who's ever coached on the same team he's on, played against him, would say that. And so we'll have to figure out a way to be efficient on offense. Now time for some post-game analysis, and we start with the Bengals' sputtering offense. Cincinnati is averaging 16 points and 305 yards a game, only 53 of those yards on the ground. And the problems begin up front. Lap, we know the offensive line isn't good. They've been battered by injury. They've got some guys out there that have not done well in a Bengals uniform since they've been here. But is that it? Is that the, the reason why the Bengals offense is struggling or has the play calling been questionable? Has Andy Dalton been bad? Bad? Uh, what would you say? I would say all of the above is true, but it starts with the offensive line. It's the head of the snake. When the offensive line is struggling, everybody else struggles. When the offensive line plays well, everybody eats. Everybody plays well. When the offensive line's playing well, your whole playbook's open to you. As a play caller, you can call anything you want. Um, when it's not playing well for you, as a play caller, you're limited and you're struggling. As, as a quarterback, your clock has changed. You're struggling. Even when you're not being pressured, you think you are. You're seeing ghosts, you know, in the pocket and all those kind of things. I mean, it has such a huge ripple effect. Receivers running routes. Who is Andy under pressure? Do I need to, I, I better try to, you know, cut this route off maybe a little bit sooner, a little bit quicker. It just has a huge trickle-down effect, and it leads to what what happened in the, uh, in the fourth quarter, three interceptions. Because, you know, Jacksonville's just pinning their ears back and teeing off. Uh, you know, the Bengals' defense was on the field too long because of the offensive ineptitude. And, again, it all starts with not getting enough done up front on a consistent basis, and it's got a huge ripple effect throughout the whole team. The rushing numbers were mind-boggling in this game. It's been a problem all year, but nothing like it was in this game. 216 rushing yards for Jacksonville, 33 for Cincinnati, all 33 for Andy Dalton. The Bengals tried 16 running plays to either Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, and Alex Erickson and did not gain a single yard. Incredible. I mean, you can't make it up. 
it's almost impossible to comprehend. And uh, Andy Dalton had his third rushing touchdown. Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, none. They don't have a rushing touchdown other than the quarterback. So it's, I don't care who you're playing against defensively in the National Football League when you have no running game. I don't mean just you're struggling running game. I mean no running game, zero, other than your quarterback running the football. That's one and a half hands tied behind your back. You're in trouble. And in the fourth quarter, it finally, you know, the dam broke and Andy threw the interceptions. Uh, you know, the one screen pass, he's under pressure. They're not even slowing up guys on a screen pass. And the back gets picked out of the backfield, runs into a defensive lineman. Andy's just trying to get rid of the ball to the screen area. There's no screen receiver, and it's a pick six. So, you know, that's the, the, the drive that kind of is a nutshell of the season to me was the first drive of the third quarter. Alex Erickson drops a ball that was for big yards, comes right back to Auden Tate, completes a ball down the football field. Defense, Jaguars jump offside. They call an illegal chop block on Joe Mixon. So Andy thinks he's got a free play. Doesn't take advantage of the free play down the field, but instead of the five-yard penalty, first and five, they're penalized 15 yards, and it's first and 25. And then the fumble. So you have... Uh, should have had that completion. I'm still going for it. I'm going to get one. Penalty sets me back behind the chains like I've been almost all year long, and then a fumble. So that, to me, encapsulates the offensive struggles all year long, setting themselves back behind the chains, you know, turning the football over, whatever it may be. It's just not good enough. You mentioned that fumble early in the third quarter. It was committed by Tyler Boyd, who had a rough game. Couple of drops, plus the fumble. He's obviously been the Bengals' best offensive player to this point of the season, but he wasn't today. After the game, sat at his locker, back to the rest of the room, staring down. I asked him if he was up for talking about the game. He said no, which I guess is understandable. But if Tyler Boyd struggles, the way this offense is going right now, it is going to be hard to get anything going. Yeah, and then that's where Alex Erickson tried to step up. Tyler Boyd was struggling. Alex Erickson, eight catches for 123 yards or 127 yards, whatever it was. But he'll be the first to tell you he could have a couple hundred if he catches everything. And he had, you know, a couple of drops. Tyler Boyd, a couple of drops. Um, that, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Andy Dalton probably suffered half a dozen drops or more during the course of the game. And then you start to press. You start to press as a quarterback in the fourth quarter trying to make plays. Tyler Boyd starts to press. You know, he lets one drop turn into another. And that's that's where you have to have that selective amnesia. Put it aside. I can't let one bad play turn into multiple bad plays. And that's what's happening to this football team individually and collectively right now offensively. And it happened on defense too. B.W. Webb, who's out there gutting it out with a broken bone in his right forearm. He missed an opportunity to possible pick six on Jacksonville's opening possession and had another opportunity at an interception later in the game. Yeah, and uh, you know, Jesse Bates was saying that Minshew put three up there. There's three that they had their hands on that they feel like you get your hands on them, you got to catch the football. And it's ironic that the great Ken Riley was here as one of the legends for this football game because he had 65 interceptions with people throwing the ball maybe 20 times a game. And he had 65 picks. So when it was there for him to catch it, he caught it. And that's the bottom line. When opportunity's there, take full advantage. Don't let them fall by the wayside. There was a positive on Sunday against Jacksonville. The old Geno Atkins was back. He was. I mean, he bowled a couple of offensive linemen big time, threw them around. 
Uh, he had two quarterback sacks early in the football game. Gino played played pretty darn well. Um, the other guy I'm going to give a, a nod to, Kevin Huber. He dictated field position now. I mean, Kevin Huber uh, boomed the ball. His average was 48.3. His net was 45.8. Three inside the 20, no touchbacks. So he pinned he pinned him back. I mean, he was making him go long field. You know, and they were they were gaining yards. I mean, they had an, over 300 yards in the first half and had six points. And it was all because Huber was pinning them back so deep. They had to go more first downs than they really felt like they were going to have to to score points. So Kevin Huber played well as well. Alex Erickson. There's a few, um, you know, spots, guys that you can say played played decently. But as a, as a, as a totality, nowhere near good enough. Up next, Zach Taylor's current team faces his former team, the defending NFC champion LA Rams, who improved to four and three on Sunday by blowing out the Falcons 37 to 10. Now time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a defensive back who joined the Bengals as a free agent this offseason and has been playing since week two with a broken bone in his right arm. Time for some fun facts with Bengals cornerback B.W. Webb. Your given name is William Wilson Webb. Why B.W.? People always forget the junior. <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. It's all good. But um, uh, I'm named after my father, so uh, you know he goes by Bill, and uh, Bill short for William. So I just go, I just go by B.W. It's got a nice ring to it, I must say. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Your parents have a military background, is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, both uh, retired military, uh, military and army. So the stereotype is military parents are very strict. Was that the case with you? 100%, man. I couldn't get away with anything. <laughs> Felt like I couldn't do anything when I was younger, but it is what it is. We're doing Fun Facts with B.W. Webb. You're from the Tidewater region of Virginia, Newport News, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, etc. It's a pipeline for great athletes. Michael Vick. Bruce Smith, Allen Iverson, Pernell Whitaker. Is that a big point of pride for you? For sure, man. Um, you know, I always tell people, man, like, yeah, your favorite athlete is probably from the 757. But, uh, yeah, man, we, we breed we breed athletes down there, man. Something we take a lot of pride about. And uh, most of the guys who, who make it out get it tatted somewhere on them, you know, either their city or uh, the 757. So we take big pride in it. Is there a 757 tattoo on you somewhere? 100%. 100% right over my chest. In addition to being a great high school football player, you were an All-American in track. Were you always the fastest kid in the neighborhood growing up? Uh, Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, it was crazy. I was always the smallest guy, too, man. I didn't hit my little growth spurt until college. But, uh, yeah, I was always a fast guy, man. I think I got it from my mom, so... You went to William & Mary, and one of the reasons why you wound up there was the fact that you weren't very big. I have read 5'9", 155 pounds when you went to college. Is that accurate? Yeah, um, it, it might have been even, you know, they try to give you a couple pounds. So uh, one I really remember is, like, when I first got there, I think I was, like, 5'9", like, 147. Oh my. It, was, it was crazy, man. I never really lived in weights until I got to uh, college, so it helped out. We're talking to B.W. Webb. Few players in college football history have had a better first game than you had. Describe what you did in your college debut. Man, we, we were playing uh, UVA at their place. First game, uh, we had the jitters. Um, ended up with three interceptions. 
uh, one took back uh, all the way for a touchdown, man, and gave us the win. So, uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great first impression. So William and Mary knocks off Virginia. You have three interceptions, including a pick six. And after your very first college football game, you were the national defensive player of the week. Yes, sir, man. It, man, it was a dream come true, man. All the hard work I put in, and uh, man, just the chip I had on my shoulder, man, from other colleges that overlooked me, told me I was too small. So uh, that was my thing, man. I wanted to prove everybody wrong. You had eight interceptions your freshman year, and then teams started throwing it the opposite direction, right? You didn't have many passes thrown in your direction. Oh yeah, for sure. They they, they learned their lesson <laughs> that first year. Well, um, man, they they went the smart way, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was big for me, man. It kind of showed that uh, teams respected me. We're chatting with B.W. Webb. William & Mary is a very prestigious academic institution. It's the second oldest college university in the country behind Harvard. How challenging was the schoolwork for you? It was tough, man. Um, you know, it wasn't a big, like, football school, so, you know, we really didn't get passes on, you know, you know, teachers looking out for grades, everything, man. Everything we had to do ourselves, man. So, uh, you know, going from class to practice and trying to get your work done, trying to watch film, and it was tough, man. You know, but uh, I got the hang of it, man. Stayed on top of everything, and uh, just made the best of my opportunity. What does a William and Mary degree mean to you? Everything. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of crazy because you know it's such a small school, but a lot of people know a lot about it. And I really didn't understand that until after I graduated and, you know, I got to speak with people and they were just like, oh, you went to William & Mary? But, um, man, it's big, man. So many connections, um, people that you you meet at school. Uh, you know, Coach Duffner here, he, he went to William & Mary. Uh, Robert Livingston went to William & Mary. Uh, Potts went to William & Mary. So uh, it's a big traditional school, man. So after a great college career there, you were a fourth-round draft pick by the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, in 2013. What was your draft experience like? It was, it was amazing, man. It was a dream come true, uh, something that I I wanted to do for a long time. But uh, it was kind of – it sounds weird, man. It was kind of bittersweet because on the plane ride, like, actually going to Dallas, I was sad, man, because it was my first time, like, being away from home. Like, uh, you know, home from William Mary was 30 minutes. So I could drop by, get a meal from my mom. And, <laughs> man, I think, man, I went to Dallas. It was like 22 hours away. And it, it was just crazy, man. You know, I, I was going to miss my parents, family, and friends. But, uh, I mean, I got over it. So it was all right. You have had an unusual NFL career because you basically change teams every year. Six teams in six years. What is the most difficult thing about that and are there any positives to bouncing around from place to place uh for sure um the most challenging thing man you just have to pick up the playbook and go in and and be able to roll with the punches but uh I don't know for me I mean I took it as a challenge man um I didn't hang my head I didn't feel bad for myself I just seen it as another opportunity to go out there and uh, showcase my skills it mean, you meet a lot of people so, I mean, I, I definitely met a lot of people in the league, man, been around a lot of places, became uh, good friends with a lot of people. So, uh, some positives that came out of it. It looks like your traveling days are over for a while. The Bengals signed you to a three-year contract as a free agent. Was that a relief to have that stability? 100%, man. Uh, just to be able to grow with the team uh, was big to me and be able to have that relationship with coaches 
and you know for them to actually learn like who I am and I can learn who they are what they like what they don't like um was very big to me and you know God blessed me to uh sign that contract for three years so I was looking really looking forward to it few more fun facts for BW Webb. If people in Cincinnati see a guy with long dreads riding around on a motorized unicycle, chances are it's you. You seem to really enjoy that thing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's easy, man. I don't got to, uh, you know, I don't spend too much money on gas. <laughs> I get I get from here to my apartment uh, quick, not in any traffic. I don't have to wait in any traffic. So, I mean, it's, it's all good for me, man. I get around the city, man, because I have a big truck, so it's hard to park it everywhere. And, man, with my little scooter, I just get in and out. I read somewhere that you were a roller skater as a kid, so have you always been into things on wheels like that? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, Newport News, every Sunday, you know, we all go to the roller skating ring, man, have a time. So uh, that, that's what we did in my area, man. Everybody seems like roller skated. And, uh... That was my thing. That was our, our little getaway from, from sports or something back in the day. Uh, I, can, I still do it to this day. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, actor, politician, religious figure, whomever it might be, who would that person be? Tupac Shakur. I don't know him ever since I was younger, man. Uh, I, mean, I loved his music. Uh, man, he was a very smart person, man, very gifted person. And, I mean, I just always just wanted to sit down with him, man, just kind of pick his brain, man. But uh, that's one person for sure. You've done some great things in the community back home where you're from. Celebrity basketball game, football camp for kids. What is the crux of your message when you talk to young people? Coming out of Newport News in the 757 area, everybody knows it's not the best area in the world. And a lot of kids get caught up, you know, doing dumb things, getting caught in crimes and everything like that. And I just want to show them that it's a way out, man. You don't have to be a part of all that. You know, it's guys like myself, Michael Vick, Alan Iverson, who who've came out of this area, and we followed our, our dreams, our goals, and got to where we wanted to get. And, you know, at times it seems like, you know, it's, we might just be a face on TV and, and we're, we're not real people. But, you know, I just want to come back and show them that, hey, man, like I was in the same situation y'all was, and, you know, I, I found a way. I made it out. Uh, got a scholarship so my parents didn't have to pay for school because that was the biggest thing. And, uh, man, just to keep grinding, man. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's going to be doubters along the way. And everything that happens along the way, man, you just use that as motivation. I've enjoyed this. Welcome to uh, Cincinnati. Great to have you part of the team, and uh, best of luck going forward. Definitely. Thank you. That's BW Webb. We hope you'll join us in one of our on-location radio shows this week. On Wednesday night from 6 to 8, We'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Liberty Township for the Bengals Game Plan Show. Then on Friday afternoon, we'll record the Bengals Pep Rally Show in London at the Admiralty, the Bengals' official bar. We anticipate taping the show from 5 to 8 London time, so if you are making the trip or live in the UK, we hope to see you there to hoist a pint. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you have a minute, please give it a rating or share a comment. Those five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.